What's the worst day you ever had in your business? I can name a few. I was a five-time award-winning entrepreneur who burned out because I couldn't give up control of anything in my business, whether it was because I thought I could do it faster or because I thought I couldn't afford it. I just refused to let anybody else in. Consequently, the business turned from a dream goal into a job I hated and I didn't know what to do anymore. In 2015, I closed my business, walked away, and started a whole new life. But I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up after that. And I realized that what I really love to do is marketing. I love to talk about marketing and create marketing and teach other people how to create value-based marketing initiatives that talk to their customers. I've done it for corporations, for entrepreneurs like you, bloggers, and everybody in between. I'm here to help you create your dream empire that gives you the freedom to create your life the way you want to do it. My name is Megan Brain. This is Stop Sucking at Business. Let's go. Hey guys, Megan here. Thank you so much for joining me today. I think you're really going to like this talk. I am here with Euron Courthout, who is the co-founder and CEO of Salesflare, an intelligent CRM built for small businesses selling business to business, mostly popular with agencies and fast-growing startup companies. Salesflare itself was founded when Euron and his co-founder, Livian, when <laughs> if anything is saying his name right, I'm really sorry, Livian, wanted to follow up with leads for their software company in an easier way. They didn't like to keep track of their leads manually and built Salesflare, which pulls out customer data together automatically and then actively helps you follow up. It's now the most popular CRM on Product Hunt and top rated on review platforms like G2 for its ease of use and automation features. And Euron is here today to talk to you about making a better sales journey. And I am so excited to have you hear this because he is super intelligent and uh, let's take it away. First of all, there are so many. Yeah. And it's very hard for people to know where to, where to start looking. Many people just type CRM uh, into Google and then, and then read some lists and try to figure it out. Right. And yeah, if, if you don't pick the right one for your business, that's that has a lot of impact because a CRM can mean a lot uh, yeah. if it works for you. And in most cases, it, it doesn't, unfortunately. Well, let's start with how did you get to Salesflare? So let's start with your background and how what got you into deciding, like, I'm not finding the right solution out there. I've got to build it myself. Yeah. Um, where do I begin? I'll, 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 I'll start where my entrepreneurship journey, journey kind of starts. Um, I, I always liked building stuff from when I was a kid, whether it was camps in the woods or uh, building a catapult or, um, or drawing something, I went to drawing classes, you know, all these kind of things. It's like you're creating stuff and I was like that. But it was um, when I was 15, 16, that uh, creating and doing that for other people and then getting stuff in return when that really started. And that's when I discovered uh, building websites. I mean, I was building websites and I was 14 or so, they were mostly GeoCities, this kind of thing where you would build these oh, awful websites. I miss <laughs> GeoCities, yes. They, yeah. Are they, have they been archived or have we all gotten a pass and they're all <laughs> hidden from history? I am supposing that, uh, 
there's still some stuff live. I don't know whether the pages we made back then are still live, but I, I suppose for posterity, there's still some stuff to look at. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I really like that. Uh, me and my uh, nerdy friends, I would say, we, we, had, we had websites and we had this little uh, chat group and uh, a mailing list and whatever. Um, but at some point I discovered uh, the joys of Flash. Uh, it has just been completely killed off, but back then it was all the rage. We're talking about uh, 20 years ago now. So. Um, and I started building Flash websites. Uh, most people didn't have a website um, and I'm, I built some beautiful ones. I think I started with my, my own website and then one for my mom and you know it started rolling. And that's when I uh, felt that this is something that I wanted to do uh, more. And I, I actually saw my future there. So when I went to the open day for engineering, I, I went for computer engineering. Um, well, to look at it. I, I didn't decide for computer engineering because when I went there, it all seemed too nerdy. Um, so <laughs> I figured I'm, I'm going to do something else. Like everything they were displaying to me seemed like, uh, I, I I don't know why they're displaying this to me, but it's like not really useful. Um, I ended up doing actually like uh, electronical engineering and I added business uh, as a minor um, which goes, because I always knew that I wanted to start something. So that made more, more sense to me than adding mechanical engineering also as a minor. And then in my master, I did biomedical engineering just because I thought I could, I could make a bigger impact on the world. Uh, with that and with things like energy or telco or whatever. Um, I ended up applying for jobs for a while as an engineer. Um, I didn't have the courage to start my own business. Um, I was I was doing stuff on the side, like selling cell phones and, and, and all that secondhand. But uh, I, I felt like I needed a real job. But I, when I was applying for real jobs, the engineering jobs never really appealed to me. Because it, it again seemed like I was going to sort of build stuff, but I would not be in touch with customers, which was for me the the fun of it. Like you build stuff, you you show it to people, you say, "Oh, you can you make it more like this?" And, um, and during my application interviews, uh, during my interviews, I was at a, a 3D printing company for healthcare at some point, and. Um, it was for a job and application engineer, which was sort of a little bit with customers, but still. Um, and um, they said, oh, more with customers. Maybe you want to be a project manager. And then uh, I did a test uh, that same day uh, for project management. And they decided I was not a good project manager. Uh, so I, I, I didn't get that job. So that same evening, because I was so frustrated, actually, I had a friend who was doing business school that year. And I thought I'm gonna do that as well. It's uh, it's probably the best way for me to get into business. And um, I I got the credit card of another friend because my my parents' credit card was not an option, and uh, paid for the test. And um, I got in and I actually did a year of business school, and it was a great uh, investment because I switched completely from engineering straight into marketing. And um, I started in a, a marketing position in a big pharma company called Baxter. Um, and um, why I did that was, again, because 
I thought I needed some experience first. And I thought, what better place is there than sort of managing your own products? I had, I think, uh, two or three vaccines that I was managing. And then I was helping a few more senior product managers with their products. Uh, I thought, you have a product, you put it in the market, you know, you get a lot of experience. That's not really what it ended up to be. It was much more limited than I had envisioned. It was not at all like running my own company. It was more like running a tiny aspect of, of something. <laughs> uh, so I got really, really bored with that uh, after, I think, six months or so. And after eight months, I found another job. And after 10 months, I left. Uh, the new job was um, was actually um, funny. I, I, I was thinking about starting my own company finally. And it was going to be um, a web agency, marketing agency for pharma. Because I spent some time at Baxter and I figured that I was the only person who knew something about websites. And now that I sort of understood pharma and pharma marketing, I would be the right person right, to um, build websites for them. Um, but one evening I had dinner with um, someone from, from the neighborhood where my parents lived. And it seemed that he actually had a company that, that did that, but more like with strategy and, and market research and building websites and big campaigns. Um, so he hired me and he said, like, I'll, I'll teach you everything. Uh, if after six months you say, like, I want to go, and then, then you go. And um, I did that for four years, and it was awesome uh, in the sense that I was uh, an account manager. I could sell projects to uh, pharma companies. I could uh, be responsible for the delivery. Some stuff I would do myself. Some, some stuff I would, I would give to colleagues to do. Um, so it was a, a very nice experience to really get started in entrepreneurship because I could sort of experiment without, uh, uh, without really failing or anything, you know? Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I could like understand what people wanted. I need to make a proposal, a little quote, you know, send it to them. They would approve. We would discuss, uh, negotiate. Then um, I would make a plan and make sure it's delivered. Communicate with everyone. It was really great experience um, before starting a company, and I did that for four years. Slowly, I, I got the, the sort of the the need again uh, to start a company, and at some point, I went part time in the consultancy. Uh, to focus on some startup idea that I had, uh, which ended up to be uh, a dumb idea that had no business model behind it or anything. Um, then I tried something else, something else, and th the one thing rolled into the other uh, until I uh, until I started Salesforce. Actually, because we were working on another software company and we needed a good CRM and. Um, I had been using Salesforce in the past and I knew that wasn't, that's like the, the big giant gorilla in the market. They have about 20% market share. And um, we use that internally in the marketing consultancy and we would also deploy it at customers within the projects we were doing. Um, but I never really understood how it helped me. It did help our organization and our CEO. He could pull all kinds of nice reports and all. 
but it never helped me sell. So what it ended up to, 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 to be is this uh, management reporting tool in which I would put the necessary data for the management reporting. But it, it never was that sales system that everybody said it was going to be, which I found weird. And um, so when we were working on that software company, we had all these leads to follow up. Um, I knew that Salesforce wasn't going to help. I uh, looked at the market, looked at what other stuff was there. There were a lot of things that were much more practical and much more intended as a sales follow-up tool than Salesforce. But unfortunately, none of these tools worked for us either because yeah, we basically always failed on the tools. So we, we started using them. And at some point, we lacked a little discipline and we didn't fill this out and that out. And we didn't add that new person that we met or didn't add their phone number and didn't say that we had a meeting with them. And, and at some point, it all went downhill because as soon as you start missing this kind of stuff, it just gets worse and worse and worse because in every cycle of the downward spiral, um, you when, when, when you don't fill it out, then the system becomes less useful because it's, it's not completely up to date and then you feel less like filling it out and then at some point uh, you stop using it. And uh, yeah, that was an issue because that meant that we couldn't um, properly follow up all the people we were in touch with. Um, we were contacting people twice. We uh, had misunderstandings within the team, like, oh, I already called them. You call them? Okay. Or we would forget to follow up someone. Or... And uh, at some point, my co-founder and I, uh, who were working on that, we figured that actually all of the things that we were inputting into these CRMs they were already in other places. Like we, we were emailing them in our mailbox. Um, so I mean, the email is there, but also the name and the email of the person is in the email header. When they email us back, there's an email signature. We can just, <laughs> we, we would copy and paste that into the CRM, but we thought like, oh, software could do that. Why doesn't it? Um, it could actually auto create the people that we were in touch with so that we not like, like, Otherwise, each time you meet someone at a company, you need to have the reflex, oh, this person's not in the CRM yet, let me add him. Um, CRM can actually do that for you and suggest like, hey, you want to add this person? Like, sure. Um, the same with meetings in the calendar, like you have a meeting and then you go in the CRM, there's a meeting. Uh, phone calls, stuff in company databases can be pulled in. Uh, email tracking and web tracking can be integrated. You know, a whole lot of things sit in all kinds of different systems, not really connected and actually should be in the CRM so that they're all of the things you would normally track manually are, are inputted automatically. And you have this one view there together um, that then helps you always know what you last discussed, when you need to follow up again and all these kind of things, like give you an overview of everything uh, without having to put too much work into it. And that's, uh now seven years ago almost uh oh. we started building salesflare and it took us a while to build it first and <laughs> to get customers and <laughs> but now we, we're here and uh, we have uh over 2000 uh, companies using our software right now actively um and and still building that out that's fantastic so when did you decide that okay salesflare is um 
enough of a sure thing, if you want to call it that, for me to just, I'm going full time with this. Like I, this, you, you have done some kind of entrepreneurial stuff in the past, but you, like you said, before, like you, you kind of kept it safe and you didn't really you kind of dipped your toes in. So what made you decide, like, okay, sales flares it. This is what I'm going to go full time to do. Yeah. Um, we, we had sort of the idea in April, May, and indeed we didn't feel like um, going full time immediately, not uh, start a company like an entity, uh, you know, you, you can try stuff and it can fail and then you're, you're stuck with, with a company entity there and all this kind of stuff. Um, so in the period between um, May and September, we're working part-time on it. Until in, in September, uh, we actually got into a uh, startup accelerator and they required us to go full-time. Ah, uh, and we got 25K also, so we're like, okay, we can make the leap. It was way too early, if you ask me. Uh, it was very risky, um, but we did, and we managed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you, we got the 25K, with which we also thought, oh, we can hire a person. That's also a dumb idea. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but we found money elsewhere. We got another 50K and another 50K and 100K. Nice. Now we had money to, because if you start a software business, especially yeah. software as a service, I mean, uh, first there's a lot of work uh, before you can even start uh, earning money, mm-hmm. um, especially if you sell to uh, small and medium-sized businesses like we do. If you do an enterprise software, then you could maybe charge half before you start developing or something, but <laughs> it's not the case for us. It's a... Uh, subscriptions and it's all small subscriptions. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to something you glossed over and I have a lot of questions about it. You built catapults when you were a kid. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, was, I don't know why, but I was, I was very interested in the catapults. Did they work? Sometimes a bit, <laughs> not, never, never really great. I never, I never took it pro. So. <laughs> Fair enough. We're, we're not talking with, catapult entrepreneurs <laughs> so. hey guys megan here how are your conversions doing are they maybe a little womp womp? i am here to help you with this exclusive free training about two phrases you can use that just boost your conversions like kapow but there's a catch it's totally free but you have to get it in my Facebook group. That's the only place it's available. So to join, join my facing group. No, <laughs> joining my Facebook group is totally free. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash Megan Brame. Once you join, you'll be able to get access to the training that shows you two stupidly simple phrases you can use to add oomph to your conversions in your marketing. It's going to blow your mind. And I am so excited for you to check it out again, facebook.com slash groups slash Megan Brame. I'll see you in there. <laughs> so I'm an entrepreneur. I want to start really focusing on sales this year. I don't have a CRM. I have maybe a Google sheet at best. Mm-hmm. How do you recommend I get started moving from a Google sheet, why do I need to go from a spreadsheet to a CRM and how do I do that? Yeah, uh, a few reasons. 
a Google Sheet is nice, uh, nicer than just an Excel sheet in the sense that you can share it within the team. Um, but it's still, it, it's very limited in the sense that uh, you have only, unless you, well, we have a sales funnel template actually on our site that is a bit more advanced than the usual uh, Google Sheet. But it's it's all like, it's one row, uh, company, contact, opportunity, and then some stuff. Uh, which is already not how reality is. Usually you have, you have multiple contacts at the same company. Right? So you can already uh, um, improve that by having different sheets with companies and contacts and all, but then it also becomes uh, more difficult to navigate. So that's maybe point number one. Point number two is uh, it's, it's, it's a very manual thing. Uh, it can easily become a mess unless you also do fancy stuff there to like... Uh, create lists with dropdowns and I don't know what, that's, it's possible. Um, but it can easily become a, a, you know, a mess where this thing is written like this there and that like that there and there's no uh, uniformity. But the most important thing is that um, the sheet is not connected to your communication. So what it does is maybe track a bit of contact info and um, stage, maybe some more info and then a note, uh, but it can never really properly represent a, a timeline of communication with the customer. That's something you need to maintain somewhere else and in a very um, disconnected, disorganized way. Um, so if you are managing, uh, let's say, 10 leads at a time, a sheet can work. Um, but if you go anywhere beyond that, uh, it can start become very, very messy. We have quite some customers coming from uh, Sheets that where first it was the founder or so, and they, they managed with the Sheets, but then they, they hire a first salesperson and it, then, then it's just not manageable anymore. Um, also, when you start working as a team, um, it's good to have a bit of insight into what the other people are communicating. So if you have that in one place, that's handy as well. Um, plus it can then also, uh, based on the things you fill out, uh, also generate dashboards. And, uh, there's, there's, there's much more to it, of course, but those are really the, the, the basics. Makes sense. And also the, To your point of, you know, you can kind of get by with a Google Sheet, but it's only going to work for so long until, like, you really do become successful and these Google Sheets just aren't working anymore. So when I'm looking for a CRM, what is it that I should be looking for? Do you recommend different types of CRMs for different types of businesses? Or how do you recommend, like, people start looking into what they need and not going crazy like and getting overwhelmed with like Salesforce or something like that. Oh yeah. Salesforce. Uh, I would personally never recommend Salesforce to a small business or even medium sized. Like if, if they don't have 200 employees or so, I, I, I would never go for Salesforce. Salesforce is great. If you need something that your company wants to have full control over, they basically want to build their own software almost. Uh, well, they will employ consultants, which are quite expensive uh, to build that. Uh, but otherwise, it's much better to get something uh, that is not an enterprise CRM, 
that is a small business uh, CRM. And then it depends a bit on your, um, uh, let's say, sales model. If you are um, more sales-driven company, like where there is quite some uh, follow-up needed in the sales process, it's not just a, a transactional sell, uh, then it makes sense to focus on a, on a sales CRM. If you are, that's often the case in B2B businesses. Um, in some B2C businesses like real estate, it's better to get something very specific. Um, in real estate, uh, first of all, uh, yeah, the, many, many, many CRMs you'll find companies and contacts and all that. Not really in a real estate CRM, it's not super relevant. Uh, it's more, um, you have a bunch of contacts and you want to stay in touch with them in, on a regular basis and you want to know exactly like th these are the things they're looking for. Uh, plus you have uh, so the, the people that buy the houses, you have the people that sell the houses, the owners, which are the ones you actually work for. And then you have the house. And so it's it, the, 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 the data is organized in a totally different way. So real estate, really like look at a real estate CRM. Um, B2B is, is, is a, an, another bucket uh, that's a B2B sales CRM. This is in most cases the best choice. Um, when, when in a B2C model, um, very often it's more about um, emailing. And there's, there's good stuff for that, like, like Active Campaign. Um, that's that's much more adapted to sort of the very large volume sort of selling, um, and then I'm forgetting something. Those, those are the the the, the main uh, things we see back. Um, Salesflare is a is a B two B sales CRM, um, so it's it's we, we almost only have B two B companies on the software, small and medium sized, mainly agencies, uh, like marketing agencies, consultancies, uh, software development agencies. And then on the other hand, a lot of um, fast growing startups, like you said in the, in the intro, um, of which quite some are SaaS companies as well, like uh, software as a service companies. So you have a ton of different companies on Salesflare, and I'm sure that you have seen a number of let's say errors that people make in their sales process. So can you recommend, like what, what major missteps do you see people making in a sales process that you would recommend, like, don't do this, this is not helpful? In a sales process, uh, the, the main thing, not having one, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but then when, when you build one, things to think about. Um, so a sales process, um, is the process you follow to sell something that ideally, first of all, it follows the buying process. Uh, it's not something you want to uh, impose on the customer. It's more like the customer likes to do it like this. This is how it feels natural. Uh, so you try to adapt to that. Then when you sort of map that out, how it, it would be best for the customer to go through this, then you need to um, divide this into steps. 
very clear steps that you take together um, that are so clear to you that you can also make it clear to the customer. Like, okay, uh, we're having this meeting now. You're interested. I can uh, give you a demo still. Or I can do this or that for you. You can have whatever. And then, oh, he likes it. Oh, okay, we can make a proposal, proposal, you know. It, you need to, to have it in such a way that it's, uh, for instance, the a typical one is like this. This is a lead. You contact them. They show interest. Uh, so you uh, you uh, have a meeting with them. Uh, you qualify them during that meeting. They go to qualified. Uh, they they consider buying. Uh, you uh, make a proposal, and then you win it. If you get that into very very clear steps again, then you can take the buyer on the journey. If it's if the steps are very vague, uh, you will never be able to um, convey it to the buyer, and it will be very hard to uh, to sell. And then, actually, when when you've done that, it's all about in every step along the way to just get the buyer to the next step, or decide that they will not buy. And that's very important as well. If you know that they're not going to buy please remove them from your pipeline. Uh, stop spending your time on them. Stop hoping that they will buy. It's, it's much, much better to uh, spend your time with people who will buy uh, than to spend it with people who are not going to buy. So qualification, as they call it in sales, is, is extremely important. So if, if, if you don't, at any step on, along the way, uh, like disqualify, if you disqualify lead, then, then just move them to lost. Or what we often do as well is if like it's, it's not going to buy now, but maybe later. Uh, I often make this kind of stage in the pipeline. It's called fridge. I place them in the fridge. Uh, and then sometimes I look through the fridge, like who, who do we need to take out here? I love fridge. That's <laughs> you Not putting them completely on ice, but just kind of like, we'll be back. So yeah. you've, you've got this pipeline figured out and it's going really well but you are getting super overwhelmed because doing all this stuff manually is there how do you recommend people start looking into the next phase of it like automating it without sounding like robots yeah uh there's there's uh, quite some little stuff you can do i i, I think the the main approach you you, you should take there is uh, do it manually first and then at any point along the way, when you start feeling like it's a routine, but that starts sort of starts uh, weighing on you, think about how can I automate this? And it's, uh, it's often in, in little things. And also things to do is also remove friction. So for instance, um, the, 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 the biggest quick win uh, still uh, often is uh, having a calendar link uh, just create one. You don't have to uh, keep spending your time sending emails back and forth uh, until you find the time for a meeting. You just send a link, and I, I usually say something like, uh, "You can you can find a good time to talk uh, via and then uh, the link." I send that to anyone, and if you think the person is too important, then they will be offended by that. Uh, you say something like, "Or uh, send me your link, and I'll 
book in yours or something. You know what? Whatever. Um, <laughs> the 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 biggest mistake people make is not doing things manually first, uh, and this involves things like. Um, like in prospection, like LinkedIn prospection or email prospection or so. They just send a mass email at scale without trying it with some people first. Um, I would always say do it do it in a very non-scalable way first. Like every person you email, research them well, uh, write a nice email, personalized, send to the next one, same thing. Uh, empathize with them, do it again. After you've done this uh, tens of times, I don't know exactly, like let's say 30, 40 times or so, you start getting a feeling for how your email usually looks um, based on the empathy you applied all these times. Um, and you might also already have a feel for, okay, this, when I write it like this, it has more of a chance to get a good reply. You can iterate it a bit. So you, you find some approach that, that works and that is much more human than you would uh, get uh, when you automate it completely uh, from the beginning. Because when you, when you automate from the beginning, um, you, there's this huge disconnect between you and the people who are going to receive it because you're basically sending it out to numbers uh, which you don't know who they are. You'll just send it to a mass of people and it's very hard for you to build empathy with that mass of people. That's why I recommend doing it one by one first uh, with people and then uh, automating. And then you can use uh, some uh, email sequence tool or so. Uh, we have one, for instance, in Salesforce as well. It's very handy. You don't need to do all that manual work. Uh, but it's good to do the manual work first because then your automation will, will be much more successful. Uh, so you'll be much more successful in the long run um, than when you just blast from the from the very beginning. So do you think people start the automation first out of like an insecurity thing, or do you think it's, um, I guess, not knowing any better? Why do you think people just jump right to the automation part of it? Um, laziness. Fair. <laughs> Yeah, why well, you you can automate it? So you think like, what? Why? Why? Why should I do it manually? Uh, I mean, I have this thing. I can. I can. I can do it in an automated way. Mm. Uh, so it's so the 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 path of least resistance. It's just automated. Boom! Send it to everyone. Doesn't really work. Everybody's annoyed. But you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Most of the emails we get, the LinkedIn messages, you wonder like, hmm. How does this person think that this is how humans talk? I don't know. Do they care? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have my automation set up. I've done this a couple of times. I'm starting to see a conversion and setting up a pattern. How do you recommend people start scaling that then? The pattern? Oh, yeah. you, when you have in mind how you want to automate it, uh, then you just start looking for the right tool. Um, that's what I always do when I, uh, I'm like working on something and at some point I'm like, I mean, it's working, but it's, it's, it's really a bit too much work. 
how how can I what is important here like what are the basic things that it should do and then you just uh, search on the internet and you'll find something I mean there's the software for anything um, well, that's that's it and then and then find something that uh, you actually enjoy working with um, meets your needs and uh, ideally connects to the other things you use um, a good place to search often is uh, like the, the best tool out there to, as far as I'm concerned, um, connect different software tools is Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R.com. Mm -hmm. And um, they connect with uh, 3,000 almost different apps now, I think. Maybe not yet 3,000, I'm not sure. Um, but if you look on the Zapier site, uh, or, or you find something, and what I often do is Google Zapier in the name of the product. And if they don't have an integration, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay, next. Someone else, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when do you recommend people start looking at Salesflare in their business? When do you think that, how do you want customers to qualify themselves before they come to you? Yeah. Um, they need to be uh, selling B two B, so business to business. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, it's it's it it works for B two C, but it's it's uh, we 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 made it um, consciously for B two B because that just makes it easier. Like we have contacts linked to companies, and you sell stuff to these companies with their opportunities. There's no contacts linking or opportunities, or you know all kinds of different like a lot of CRMs allow. A lot of possibilities but that also makes it more complex and we like to keep that complexity away so b2b businesses uh small and medium sized and you're actively selling um and you're not actively selling to uh, five to ten companies it goes beyond that like there are some agencies that um that don't that sell only to coca-cola in uh, in, uh, in some taco company or something and they make a lot of money, then you probably don't need a sales CRM. <laughs> uh, but when, you're, when your projects are uh, below a few hundred K or so, you'll probably have a series of customers. And if you're actively maintaining a pipeline of customers, then it makes sense to, uh, to get a, a sales CRM. Do you think that it's also good for, it's not B2C exactly. I'm thinking like um, consultants or coaches or even bloggers who have relationships with sponsored companies to do collaborations. Do you think that Salesflare or just any kind of CRM, do you think that that is something that should be utilized too? For, for partnerships, definitely. Oh, cool. uh, yeah, yeah. We actually use Salesflare very actively ourselves for partnerships. Um, that's, uh, we... We can use it to reach out at scale uh, to different uh, potential partners, uh, do all the follow-up, uh, you know, like when we're, were we in touch about what, move it through the pipeline, all the same, like you have a sales process. Mm -hmm. uh, you can apply the same things to partnerships and uh, it works very well. What about maintaining the relationship in a CRM? How do you recommend people do that? So say like they, they're, they've already had their, the transaction with the company or whomever, what kind of, um, what success have you seen through your customers that have done? Like what, what kind of tips do you recommend for that? 
Yeah, you mean like customer support wise or just like, somehow or like continuing the relationship so that they continue to buy from you if you have like new product offerings or whatever. Yeah, okay. Well, I I I'd one thing we, we, for instance, do in the software is we, when you, depending on the stage you're in, you can set um, uh, a time after which you want to get in touch with someone again. Mm. Um, so it might be uh, just uh, five days or something uh, when you're when they're qualified or, or or when their proposal made or like in a stage proposal made or so. But then when they're one, you could put that to a to a longer time, you could say, I want to hear them every two, three months or something. Um, then Salesforce will remind you to say, like, hey, is this a company uh, you haven't talked to since then? Maybe it's it's a, it's a good moment to follow up. When you have new product offerings, um, this is, is a really great time to uh, get in touch with people. Uh, we have this, uh, this, this yeah, email blast basically that we send out every time we have that. Um, you can also do that uh, from Salesforce. So we have a, a general one because it's uh, is like a it's uh, I think twenty thirty thousand people on the list. So that's that's more like with an email newsletter sort of style tool that we send out. Mm -hmm. uh, but then next to that, I often also um, when I know it's really great for a certain company. Uh, we can also start following up sales-wise, and then I use our built-in email sequences mm. uh, to say, hey, we have this now, you asked for this, um, you want to check it out, you want to maybe get on a call, I can show you. Uh, and then you can send another email like, hey, did you, I mean, like, not not did you see that, that's the worst follow-up email, but like, uh, <laughs> hey, if you're uh, still interested, see this, we just, well, whatever. You need to have some kind of new message to, to put in there. Well, I know that people are going to have way more questions because we're running out of time. So where, how can people get a hold of you and find out more about Salesflare or if they have like sales questions? Uh, to find out more about Salesflare, you can just head to salesflare.com and that's Flare with F-L-A-R-E. And um, you can read about the software and the sites. Uh, you can try it uh, for anywhere between 7 and 30 days. You actually get more days on the trial as you set it up. Uh, because we found that uh, people who set it up properly are, are much more likely to be successful. So we really want to uh, motivate you. Um, since about a week or two ago, we also added a, a get a demo button on the side. So if you want a demo, uh, like a demo, like a call, mm -hmm. um, we can we can have it as well. Or if you have just a, a general question, there's a this chat icon on the side that you can click. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me directly, um, you can do that on LinkedIn. There's only one person with my exact name, so it's not too difficult. Uh, but please include a personal message uh, with your connection request. Otherwise, you just disappear in a sea of spam on LinkedIn. I have no idea why you're connecting with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go, is there anything that we didn't cover that you want people to know about? Not really. All right, awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been really informational and really cool. Thank you. Well, this was fun.
Hey guys, one more thing before you go. Could you do me a favor and leave a review of this episode? It would help me out so much and get the word out to other people. If you could just drop a review, I would really appreciate it. On the next episode. I'd got to a point where, you know, leverage was enough that it made me realize that actually, no, needed to jump out and, and do the next thing. When did the missing letters start festering in your head? When did you start thinking like, let me, let me poke at this and see what's going on? So that, that was whilst at the agency, um, it was, it was a side project we, we, we set up and ran um, alongside it. And it, it fortunately started building a bit of traction, not enough that um, one could confidently jump ship. Um, it helped that I was able to find an acquirer for the agency, um, but it was enough of a, of a, of a suggestion that there was something there that it gave us the confidence to, to jump ship. But no, the idea was, was, was very, very simply from seeing, you know, working with, with our clients every single day, we were building high end sort of web applications, but invariably they would include some sort of a blog. And so, although we weren't writing the content, we were, we were creating the platform that they could, you know, add their blog posts to and, and showcase them to the world and all that sort of thing. And one thing I noticed was that our, pretty much all of our customers were really, really good at coming up with a bit of a content strategy. They, they knew that they had to publish a blog post once a month or once a week or whatever it was. They knew kind of the topics that they wanted to talk about. They thought about SEO um, and, and, you know, the right phrases to use and all that sort of stuff. Um, but almost none of them knew what to do or even knew that they had to do was do something once they published the blog post. So they would click publish in WordPress or in our case, in, in our platform. Um, and then that was it. They were just, you know, like Wayne's world, they would expect them to sort of just turn up. Um, and it just sort of struck me that again, coming back to that hatred for inefficiency that I described at the beginning, it just felt horribly inefficient because for those that did realize, um, that they had to do something to promote those blog posts, they were basically creating horrible word, you know, uh, um, Excel spreadsheets and recreating the um, content, you know, rehashing it, kind of looking at their blog post and going, well, I need to turn that into a 140 characters as it was back then, a tweet um, or a Facebook post or whatever it was. And they were just, you know, you could hear 